Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Adi Oladipo here. Thanks, as always, for downloading Final Extra. A quick announcement for those of you who listen to us regularly. Until the end of May, we will no longer be releasing new episodes on Tuesdays. Myself and Gareth will now be with you on Wednesdays instead up until the end of May. If you want to catch up on air, we're in the new slot of 1pm on Wednesday afternoons on TalkSport 2. Otherwise, we'll be in the same place as usual on Fight Night Podcast Channel alongside all our great other boxing content. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing, this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, the one and only Mr. Nick Pete. Today we'll be unpacking three world title fights this weekend, all in the UK. Kicking things off on the South Coast, as hometown hero Chris Billum Smith dethroned Lawrence Acoli in front of a huge home crowd at Bournemouth's Vitality Stadium. We'll hear from the new champion who's told us he wants to savour the victory before thinking about his next fight and discuss in particular the performance of Lawrence Acoli who was docked two points during the fight and dropped three times. Elsewhere on Saturday, it was a busy night in the featherweight division. Lee Wood exercised his demons to beat Mauricio Lara to recapture his World Boxing Association title. It was not to be, though, for Mick Conlon uh, in Belfast. The Irishman suffered another brutal knockout to IBF champion Luis Alberto Lopez. Plus, we'll talk the re-emergence of stories that Tyson Fury has sent an offer to Anthony Joshua. Oh my word, is it more posturing from the World Boxing Council champion. And finally, we have a date for one of the biggest fights in boxing. Yep, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford will finally meet this summer. So much to get through. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. So, what on earth was going on on Saturday night? We were there with Talk Sport. Uh, let me welcome in Nick Pete, first of all. How are you, my man? I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm still reveling from a, a, you know, a bit of a historic weekend. Gareth, me and you have been around this fight game for an awful long time, especially domestically, and I don't know whether there's ever been a world title fight in three different cities on the British Isles all on the same weekend. Magnificent, historic, wonderful but this weekend, we've got none. So, again, you know, I think there's a lot of these promoters need to uh, start talking to one another because they're basically cannibalizing eyeballs away from one another. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I think it's three of the next four weekends there aren't major events in the UK, which the, 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 the concertina effect, the clash, it's a very good point you raise. Um, 
it only splits eyeballs, it split the media. And, you know, I know that people managed to watch two of three live because mm-hmm. they brought the uh, Mick Conlon-Lopez um, fight ahead earlier on, on BT Sports to an earlier time. But it, it, I can't ever remember three in one night. I mean, Jack Solomon's, I, I, I checked in with Colin Hart on this to go back to the kind of 60s, if you like, and he didn't mm-hmm. recall one. Um, yes, four world title fights on one card in a night. They've been in one place. But, you know, I mean, I did speak to all three promoters last week. Frank Warren said it was crazy. Uh, Eddie Hearn said that there's a, he still thinks there's a back, he thinks there's a backlog from COVID. Um, And they wanted to put Lee Wood on in Nottingham, but they couldn't get it on there and had to go to Manchester. And and Ben Shalom for Boxer said it was the only night they could do in Bournemouth. I just hope we don't get these clashes again. Because the other thing is that the actual fighters don't get their moment in the limelight as well because um, exactly. it is stretched. Lee Wood put on an amazing performance on Saturday night, as did Chris Billum-Smith. Um, let's go to the, the the Bournemouth Vitality Stadium, 15,000 fans. Um, CBS, Chris Billum-Smith pulled off an amazing victory over Lawrence Acoli, who really held and, and, and wrestled and, and grappled and tied up probably for over half the fight, maybe even more than that. And it went 12 rounds. I watched it back on Sunday, had to watch it back because it was such a a weird mishmash going on. I mean, I actually couldn't remember if Billum Smith had been down in the fight. Um, but obviously it was a Coley down three times. A couple of them a little bit dubious. One exhaustion, one a genuine knockdown, maybe one a slip. But his hands did touch on the exhausted one. Um, two points deducted. Uh, for holding, he used his head. He, he, he wasn't dirty. He had he had periods of massive attacks, catching Billum Smith on the ropes. But ultimately, Billum Smith held to his game plan. They knew Akoli well. Um, obviously, hundreds of rounds they'd sparred together, and a very uh, emotional win for him. With him revealing that his mother had um, had cancer recently as well. But overall. Um, Bournemouth has a new champion. Um, it's done great things for the South Coast, but all the focus really has been on what happened to Lawrence Acoli in this fight. It was just such a strange twelve rounds because we know Acoli's got a reputation as a, a punch and hold style fighter, and you know you expect as much. Obviously, his move away from Shane McGuigan is hooking up with Sugar Hill Stewart. We all know what Sugar Hill has managed to do with Tyson Fury, turning him into a, a boxer and into a puncher. You know, you could argue. So, don't get me wrong. I know there's certain skill levels involved, but the evolution of Lawrence Coley has not taken place as of yet. In fact, I would say t- Saturday night was Lawrence Coley was more Lawrence Coley than I've ever seen him before. Because there was many times in the fight that he didn't even throw a punch to hold. He just literally stepped in and gave Chris Billum uh, Smith a big hug. It was a very strange performance. Um, I don't think Lawrence Coley performed anywhere near what his potential is. I don't think there's been a, a British fighter crowned as world champion who landed as few shots as Chris Billum Smith actually landed over 12 rounds. If you go back, I watched it on Sunday through a bit of a microscope and the actual clean punches Chris Billum Smith lands you can count on two hands and yet he marches off with a world title but again I've got no issue with the result whatsoever for me personally certainly when I watched it back as well I for one and and I'm super critical of officials certainly here in the UK because you know we need to get our own house in order before we you know look at anybody else but I thought Marcus McDonald was outstanding I think he was correct to take points off he was correct to continue to warn Lawrence Coley and he was correct to score the three knockdowns which as you say maybe slips maybe something in there but it was the fact that Akoli was caught and then was desperately trying to grab Billum Smith to hug again when he fell over his own feet on three occasions. So I was Marcus McDonald was outstanding. The two boxers in the ring, I don't know what Malonto Coley was was doing in there, Gareth. I know what he wasn't doing. He wasn't boxing. It was weird. Yeah, when you watched it back, did you have it quite close? Yeah, on the night I scored um 
I know one of the judges, uh, the wider scorecard by one of the judges was 116-107 to uh, Chris Billum-Smith. And on the night, I wasn't upset with that score. I was more mm. thinking, wait a minute, how has one judge scored it a draw? But I think a lot of the emotion on the night was frustration at Lawrence Coley not wanting to enter into a boxing contest, wanting to hug Chris Billum-Smith, spoil the fight, do very little. It was only when I went back and scored it properly on Sunday when I took my emotion out of it a little bit because I think a lot of fans, we watched it, we were frustrated. What is Lawrence doing? What is going on? But actually, when you look at it round by round, which you have to do, score it every three minutes. It's 12 mini fights, as we know. When you score it in that way, when you look at what Chris Billum-Smith does or more to the case, does not actually land. I had it far closer. I ended up scoring it 114-111 in favour of Chris Billum-Smith. But you know what, Gareth? I can see exactly where that 112-112 came from. I can see how we got that. On the night, I gave it 113-112 to Billum-Smith. Because um, I thought Lawrence Coley was doing work. I mean, he had some massive attacks on Billum Smith as well as pinning him in the corner and was really going for it. Like you say, it was a very, very peculiar fight. I think the fear, I mean, I spoke to Marcus McDonnell afterwards because in many ways he did a good job of keeping the fight alive. Um, but as I say, when I watched it back on Sunday, when I came to about the seventh warning, there were multiple, there was about nine warnings, weren't there? Yeah. Um, when I came, I just got to round seven, eight, and I thought, as I watch this back now, I feel like he should have been DQ'd. But having said that, on the night, I can see why Marcus didn't. Because there's 15,000 there, probably 14,997 supporting Chris Billum-Smith. There was a bit of crowd trouble there as well um, between football fans. Um, I spoke to the security teams afterwards, and they quelled that. Um, I actually spoke to Marcus and I said he did a good job, I thought, keeping the fight alive. Um, yeah. My fear, um, not taking anything away from Chris Billum-Smith, it's his dream. It was amazing to see him in his dressing room afterwards and the celebrations. He's a very modest man, um, very, very uh, b- both gentleman fighters. Even L- Lawrence Ciccoli was magnanimous afterwards and said, look, yeah. I'd like to fight again. I'd like to right the wrongs. Um but I think there was a there's an element of um, it's brilliant that we've got a new champion on that coast. The last guy from that area was Freddie Mills, sixty odd years ago. Um, so it's it's brilliant when you get a, a development like that in an area like the Bournemouth was on fire on Saturday night after the bout. You looked amazing. Oh no, it was it were it balmy nights in football grounds, as you know yourself. You've been there enough mm-hmm. times. There's Mm-hmm. Um, when there's a boxing match on and there's fans on the pitch and they get a chance to be on the pitch and watch an event, it is always a great spectacle. But my, this is what I want to put to you. Has Lawrence Ciccoli been rumbled now? Because he's had this style for a long time. Has he been rumbled? Will referees in his next fights, will they rumble him for this style now? Has uh, has Chris Billum-Smith and um, have... Chris Billum-Smith and Shane McGuigan expose something in him? And can he change his style, even because he's over 30 now? Yeah, I think you'll find, um, you know, there was a, an awful lot of talk in the build-up about his punch-and-hold style. Shane McGuigan, every interview he, he was in, he talked about it. It was very aware uh, that the board and, of course, Marcus McDonald would have been aware of it as well. But also, I just think that this Lawrence turned it up to the, he turned them, he turned it up to the max in this fight. I'd never seen him, so you could argue gun shy, scared of being hit. You know, he just wanted to hold in close where he was safe. He was reaching out. He wasn't even popping the jab. He was throwing his left arm out to hook round the back of Chris Billum Smith's head to pull him in for a cuddle. It was so very strange, and I'm, I'm just glad that we had a strong referee that was that did stay on top of it. I think the knockdowns late in the fight, which Chris Billum Smith got in his favour, I think that helped. Marcus McDonald from having to stop the fight because obviously they were throwing the fight, you know, towards Chris Billum Smith. Just to be clear, I think Chris Billum Smith is a deserved champion. I think Lawrence Lacoli had to lose his world title on Saturday night to maybe teach him a lesson that this style that he's got is not boxing. It's not the sweet science. That's not how you box. Now, he's been massively successful, of course, Olympian, British, Commonwealth, European, and a world champion. So he would argue, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, now it's been highlighted. It is broke. 
you will be thrown out of fights against, certainly internationally, international referees may not see it the same way, may not give him the same kind of leeways as he's had previously. But also I think Chris Billum-Smith played up to it. Shame they, every time he held on, they were complaining to the referee. They were making a big deal about it. They were highlighting the fact they couldn't get the shots off. They knew what was coming. I think Lawrence is trying to change his style, hence the reason why he's gone over to Sugar Hill. But I think the when they would have sat down in the dressing room on in Birmingham on Bournemouth on Saturday night to look back at it, I think they'd have realised that there's a much bigger job here yeah. than maybe even Lawrence Coley and certainly Sugar Hill thought they had uh, prior to this title defence. He's got a lot of work to do. The talent's there, Gareth. The fundamentals are there. Yeah, he's just got to evolve this style and be a bit more confident in his own chin and a bit more aggressive. We've seen it previously. He just went completely into his shell here. It was such a strange performance. And and also you have to praise Shane McGuigan and Chris Billum Smith for the for the certainly the hundreds of rounds that they'd sparred <clears> together. Um and the fact that Shane McGuigan had very cleverly exposed the fact because he, he barely missed with it. Just yeah. turning his shoulder and throwing the left hook. CBS throwing the left hook. He couldn't miss. They, they, they did that so cleverly. It worked for him the entire fight. I think, you know, the first knockdown came from that punch, didn't it? Um, and and they, they were so clever. We haven't seen Lawrence in trouble like that before either. Because um, I thought in the fifth round, Billum Smith kept to his game plan really well and almost could have put him away. Lawrence was looked out on his feet in that fifth round. We've never seen him in trouble that way. We've never seen him... I mean, I picked a Coley to win late, but I knew that Billum Smith had to make it a dogfight. And in his own way, he did make it a dogfight. What a chin on Billum Smith as well, by the way. All those punches he took. Um, you know, a big gash on his, on his eyebrow. Um, he had internal and external stitches. I managed to get up close to him afterwards. Um, in the dressing room, you know, they were doing the old Championi, Championi at the time. Um, do they rematch next? Or Richard Riakpour, who was there, does he get to fight Billum Smith next? What, what in your view, will, will Boxer do? Yeah, I, listen, from a, from a fan's perspective, from a media perspective, I think they should go ahead with the Richard Riakpour rematch. I think that fight makes a lot more sense. But I also think, in terms of Lawrence Coley, I think he needs time out of camp with his new trainer, with his new corner team, to work on his game, to, to evolve his style, because he can't come in and produce another performance like that, because maybe next time he does get thrown out, he does get disqualified, and where does that lead him? You know, because he is a massive puncher, he is a little bit, he is a complete bogeyman in this division, but obviously he will be thinking, well, I've got a, I gave Billum Smith the opportunity, I mm. do have a rematch clause, mm. he's already said I want to activate the rematch clause, We've just seen what happened when he done a quick turnaround. Is is the quality of his performance dropped substantially, and I think he just needs that little bit of a break now, that time away. Let Billum Smith and React Paul fight for the belt. Go away, spend six, eight months just just working on your craft before you then go into camp again. Because they're all signed to boxer. They're all under the Sky Sports banner. He's going to get an opportunity against the winner. Yeah, <laughs> Excuse exactly. me, further down the line. Because it makes perfect sense for them. So it's not like the opportunity is going to go away if he turns it down. I, I just think he needs some time with Sugar Hill. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, the irony in all of this is that I thought Lawrence made his biggest improvements under Shane McGuigan. Where yes. he was, he was squatting more. On he was going down on his haunches more, using his jab better. I thought he had a fantastic run with Shane, and and in many ways it was because this, which is now settled, his dispute with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn, and he'd moved away for a while, hadn't he? I think he moved to live in Dubai with his partner for a while, yeah. uh, with his I think girlfriend, he's still there. and he's still there. Um, and as a result, he left Shane McGuigan. Um, Let's see what, what Sugar Hill can do with him. Because, yes, he can augment his punching, but I'm not sure that he's going to really improve his boxing without being too critical of, what, of, of Sugar Hill's knowledge of boxing. Yeah, do you know what? I think there's some real hard conversations there, you know, as to whether they're the right fit for one another, as to whether they, you know, they're going to continue to work. Because that's two performances we've seen with... Sugar Hill being the lead in the corner now. And a lot of stuff, when we do go to the corner, we're hearing Sugar Hill say certain things. And Lawrence simply isn't doing it inside the ring. So I, I don't know whether that's 
that relationship was quite clicked yet. Mm. But it wouldn't surprise me if the if there was yet another change in that Lawrence O'Coley corner because somebody needs to bring out the best in Lawrence O'Coley. When you do, you've cracked it. You could have the best cruiserweight on the planet, but he's also capable of producing performances like that on Saturday night, which, again, that's, that's just not boxing. That is not the sport of boxing. Holding, hugging, it's just completely bizarre for someone that's achieved so much to produce that performance in his 20th professional fight. Seems like he's gone massively backwards to me. Absolutely. And victories as well on Saturday night for Sam Eggington, rolling back the years with victory, stopping Joe Pigford. Um, God, we, how many times have we written off Sam Eggington? And he always comes back. A great victory as well for Karis Artinstall, partner of Lauren Price. Uh, she marches on in her career, the British Olympian as well. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll talk about the reports that Tyson Fury has reached out to Anthony Joshua to fight later this summer. And we will talk Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford, the pair finally set to fight in America this summer. Next up, though, we'll reflect on contrasting nights for Lee Wood and Mick Conlon in the featherweight division. talking over and now we'll see street fighter against technician maybe who's going to get the better start will conlon as he says be able to outbox this man oh my goodness from conlon down and the towel has come in he's gone straight in they've sent it off and they've put the towel in and conlon is beaten You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, the one and only Mr. Nick Pete. Now, Nick, two featherweight fights on Saturday night, one in Manchester, one in Belfast. Let's talk about Lee Wood, first of all, exercising his demons, beating Mauricio Lara, uh, winning the world title back um, just a few months after he'd been stopped in the seventh round. What a blessing now when he looks back on it that Ben Davison threw in the towel that night because he lived to fight another day. We've got to talk, first of all, about Lara mentally not really looking like he was there, taking nothing away from Lee Wood, but issues with weight during the week. The weight check earlier in the week, he was prevented, precluded from cutting whatever it was, eight, nine pounds by the Boxing Board of Control because they were unhappy. He might have been using water cutting or water loading Um, he was very heavy on the night. He was stripped of the title. He couldn't win the belt, even if he'd won the fight. I wonder how that affected him mentally. But first of all, what do we take away from that, that decision by the boxing board of control? Because there were people saying before the fight, it shouldn't go ahead. But Ben Davison and, and, uh, Lee would insisted they would go ahead with it. And it worked out for him. Thankfully, it did. You know, yeah. thankfully, it did work out for him. You know, and hopefully, they knew something behind the scenes that we didn't know. Because that, I'll be honest, there, there's two decisions that Ben Davidson made there that I thought were mistakes. You know, I, I thought the, throwing the towel in in the first fight at the start of the year felt like a mistake that's been proven now to be, you know, a sensational decision. And this decision to go ahead with the fight on Saturday night, it could easily have ended oh so wrong. Um, but they've made the decision, a tough decision. Obviously, Ben, we've seen on the, at the actual weigh-ins when Maurizio Lara weighed in at super featherweight. Ben jumped straight onto the broadcast and, you know, was like, this is madness that this fight is going ahead. But, of course, he's had a conversation behind closed doors. Somebody has, you know, alleviated his fears in some way, shape or form, and the fight has progressed. Now, maybe that was because when the fight started, 
By the time we got around four or five, Maurizio Lardo had been on the floor. Maurizio Lardo didn't look like the same kind of animal he did against in the two fights with Josh Warrington and certainly the first fight with Lee Woods. So mm. maybe there were things going on behind closed doors in terms of his either his physical fitness or the man the way in which he tried to cut the weight and failed. But clearly, he never came in heavy. He never came in just to you know lose his belt, do a number on Lee Woods, and continue his winning run. Clearly, there was something there. Um, physically or mentally, that impacted on him making 126 pounds. And maybe that was what was fed to the Leewood corner to say, listen, the fight should progress. He's tried everything. It's been a miscalculation, but it's not like he's you know carried the weight. He's still strong. Um, and the fight progressed. And, and listen, Leewood deserved that moment. Ben Davidson deserved that moment because they did everything by the book. They did everything right. Lee Wood got in there. He dropped Maurizio Lara. He didn't get greedy. He stuck to his boxing. He, you know, he played it out over the twelve rounds. He basically stood Maurizio Lara on his head, and it was probably the best performance of Lee Wood's career. So, in hindsight, it's easy to say the right decision was made. But as we saw over in Belfast, where we had a, a featherweight hit and put into hospital, and he's still in hospital. Things could have gone oh so wrong here. We mm. should not be allowing championship fights to take place when a de- when a de- champion or one of the combatants is weighing in in a different weight class. That does not make any sense. Weight classes are there for a reason, Gareth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have to say it was unprofessional of him to make the weight. Sometimes when fighters travel, the waters just don't switch for them. That does happen. But you just wonder, because I think it's his fourth fight here in the fourth, UK. Fourth 12-rounder, yeah, third fourth, championship fight. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's aware of the rhythms that his body goes through. Um, I wonder whether he's been enjoying being the champion too much. Yeah. Um, four pounds overweight is unprofessional. There's no question just, about Just it. to be clear, though, Gareth, for anyone that's listening, that does sound horrific. But just to be clear, the border control had told 24 him. hours yeah. before the weigh-in said to yeah. him, yeah. you cannot make 126. Yeah. 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 The lightest you can be is 128.5. Yeah. He came in at 129.5. Yeah. So he never, he was not allowed to try and make it because his health and his, the weight he was carrying at the time meant the board made the decision for him. So I know he came in. It's just worth noting that, yes, he was a weight division below, but he was told he can he could not do 126 under any circumstances by the board. Yeah, I think on the day he was something in the morning weigh-in. I think he was 138 or something. And and I wonder what Lee Wood was on the day. Probably himself 133, 134, Similar. something like mm-hmm. that. You know. Yeah. Um. But again, great props to to Lee Wood, who I think is becoming a massive hero. Um. You say it's one of his greatest performances. I agree with you. But so too. The, the the fight against Conlon last year, Michael Conlon, yeah, who we'll come to in a moment. Um, Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington now, City Stadium. I think that fight seems to be the the obvious one to make. Obviously, Josh Warrington takes a big crowd down there. Josh needs a big fight. He's a big ticket seller like Lee Wood. All you know, all roads do point to Nottingham Forest Stadium. Don't they? Lee Wood deserves this moment now. Uh, I think also, you know, it's a shame. Mick Conlon never got it done in Belfast because that unification fight, that rematch would have been absolutely huge for this weight division, not just domestically, but internationally as well. But also I think Nick Ball, who's on the undercard in Belfast, I think he's kind of put his name in the frame yeah. for a potential world title opportunity as well. He's 19-0 and 0 now with, uh, with uh, most of those fights coming by knockout. So the, the featherweight division continues to be arguably Britain's best division. Let's get it on. Let's find out which who's the best of these Brits is. Yeah, I spoke to Nick Ball. I was in Belfast for a couple of days last week. Let's let's switch over the water and go to Northern Ireland. A very bad night in Belfast for Michael Conlon, but an amazing week. It's a beautiful city, Belfast. Yeah. Hard as nails, beautiful people, know their boxing. They were magnanimous towards um, Luis Alberto Lopez with his victory over Michael Conlon, brutally knocked out. Um by Lopez, who looks, again, maybe he's taken over the Lara mantle, the the, the Brit destroyer, the Mexican Brit destroyer for now. Um, two bad defeats. I'll come to Nick Ball in a minute. Um, two bad uh, knockout defeats in the last 12 months now uh, for Conlon. First to Wood, now to Lopez. Um, Conlon, you know, looked fine the next day, um, but issued a statement after the fight saying he's considering his options it's a difficult one for him here. He's a great, skillful boxer, but that's twice now 
army's been stopped. Um, you just wonder where he goes from here, Nick. Yeah, listen, you know, this is this is professional boxing and these are world title fights. And, you know, sometimes they go your way and sometimes they don't. You're fighting the best guys in the world. So I'm far from writing off his, uh, his retirement package just yet. He's so talented, Michael Conlon. He's such a beautiful boxer. I truly believe he can outbox anybody that weighs nine stone on the planet. The issue is he just doesn't seem to have that sting. He just doesn't seem to have that power, which you need in the professional ranks to get people to respect you. And I think the, the first round was close in Belfast. Second round, Mick Conlon puts his foot down. And Lopez had a good look at him. And Michael Conlon has thrown combinations everywhere. He takes the round. But Lopez, you feel, was like, okay, you've had a round. Let me have a round now. And he stepped, he stepped up through the gears in round three. And the difference was when he caught Michael Conlon on the chin, you could see it. There was real reaction. Michael's Conlon's head was snapping back. You know, his legs were starting to go. And I think Lopez in that moment thought, you know what? As you as you pointed out just before we press record here, Gareth, he was walking around Belfast all fight week like he owned the place anyway. Yeah. That for me is taught that's a fighter who is so confident that has ticked every boxing chain in camp that feels like they're peaking as an athlete and they're so comfortable in their own skin. It's like, right. I'll walk around. I don't need an entourage. This is my city. I'm going to. I don't need security. I, I, I'm ha I'm, I want to. I don't want to have fights, but I want to embrace it. The great exactly. fighters went out into the lion's den and just walked around. You know, yeah. and that's where Lopez is right now. Yeah. And his performance yeah. proved that when he put his foot down, he hit Michael Conlon, and he just went, "You know what? I'm getting you out of here." And he did it in sensational style. Lovely little right uppercut, caught Conlon on the top of the head. By the time Michael Conlon's head hit the floor. Adam Booth had already thrown in the towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at Michael's um, Olympic and uh, world amateur record. And of course, but flyweight and bantamweight as well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, he turned pro in his mid-20s. He's 31 now. And I just wonder whether, um, like you say, it's just that little bit of power that's missing um, at world or elite level at yeah. featherweight. Um he will come back, no doubt. Um, a fight with Josh Warrington with Michael Conlon would be interesting. Again, both, absolutely. You know, um, I think they're both in a similar position right now. Yeah, you mentioned Nick Ball. We just have to say very quickly a word for his opponent. South African opponent, Laduma Lamati, um, is now in a stable condition after being stopped by Nick um, in the 12th round uh, at the SSA, SSE Arena in Belfast. Um he was stopped two minutes 15 into the last round and after returning to his corner, collapsed in the ring and required oxygen. A 31-year-old was taken on the ring from the ring on a stretch and transported to Belfast Hospital. Um, ball um, in control from the early rounds, pushed forward, does what Nick Ball does best. I mean, I spoke to Nick during the week and he's developing more of a presence now at press conferences as well and I was saying to him, keep going, mate, because you're the kind of fighter with the kind of style. He's not the biggest featherweight in the world, um, but I tell you what, he's got big tenacity and big heart and big excitement to bring. And I think he's a guy who'll get one or two world title fights. He may not win a world title against some of these guys, but he may do so. But what you can guarantee is you can put him in there and he's going to create mayhem and excitement. And I and I've said to him, you'll get a couple of world title fights. Go for it. Buy half of yep. Liverpool when you do them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? He's been Liverpool's best kept secret for a long time yeah. as well because he's, he's made for TV. You know, we talked earlier about Lawrence Acoli, who's got a style that's not made for TV. Nick Ball is absolutely made for TV. As you say, he's not the biggest featherweight in the world, but he makes up for that in the engine that he's got, the power that he packs in his hands. He's willing to take chances. He's willing to get hit by one shot to try and land one of his own. He believes in his own power. And from the very first bell, to the very final bell, as he proved in Belfast at the weekend, he throws shots to take your head off, Gareth. Yeah. He throws power bombs from the first minute until the last minute. And that's because he's a gym freak. He's an absolute fitness lunatic. When he's out of camp, he's out competing in CrossFit. He's out winning gold medals. He's out, you know, out bench pressing 250 pounds, six foot five, man mountain athletes. That's what he does in his spare time. So when he comes back to boxing, he brings that gas tank with him, that natural strength with him. And don't forget, he's at Everton Red Triangle, which is home to a bunch of the best super bantam and featherweights on the planet. The likes of Peter McGray, I'll lose sparring with every yeah. day. 
which is going to bring him on technically, you know. So Nick Ball, I don't think he'll get an opportunity lightly, but some at some stage he will get an opportunity at a world title. And as you say, because he's got a TV-friendly style, it won't be the last opportunity he gets either. You only need someone to drop out late. As I said to him, exactly. just be ready all the time. And they'll go, do you know what, Nick Ball? If someone's injured yeah. late with a week to go, two weeks to go, I said, be ready. You'll get it. I guarantee he will get it. Like you just said, mm-hmm. TV-friendly style. He's, he's a little guy, but he walks around like a six-foot-five man who's 19 stone, and I love that about him. He's yeah. got beautiful nature as well, and a great team around him. They really are the best. Anyway, I'm, I'm waxing lyrical about something you'd wax lyrical about for the next three hours anyway, because <laughs> we're talking the, the, nation, the, the nation, the Republic of Liverpool there, of course. Correct. Um, you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and Nick Peake. Coming up, we'll talk Errol Spence Jr. versus Terence Crawford with the pair finally, after years of waiting, set to fight this summer. Next up, though, here we go again. Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua rumors have resurfaced. Is there any truth to them? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tyson Fury... Versus Anthony Joshua is reportedly now back in talks. Eddie Hearn and George Warren restarting conversations to make the fight happen in September in the UK. It's claimed that Fury has told his team to push for the fight versus AJ. Do your negotiations (laughs) behind closed doors. And this is to the whole of boxing. This is to boxing promoters. This is to fighters. This is to broadcast channels. This is to everybody. It's quite easy... Yeah. to say no comment it's quite easy to deny all knowledge I don't care if whatever, what conversation you're having or what phone calls you're having or how far down the line you are with something mm-hmm. only make things public knowledge when you have a signed contract a date and a venue you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me Gareth and Avis and one half of the Fight Disciple to one and only Mr Nick Pete now Team Fury uh, Tyson Fury and George Warren claim an offer has been sent to Anthony Joshua to fight this summer on a 60-40 split, a very similar one to the one Joshua accepted uh, to fight last year. Now, here's my take on this. I think it's desperation stakes in many ways. Um, I want to say that I am very, very sceptical about this. It's the Fourth time, we've had three collapses of their fights so far over the last 36 months. Here's what I actually believe is happening. Anthony Joshua is going to fight Dillian White in the summer and Deontay Wilder in Saudi Arabia in November. Tyson Fury, they are looking for an opponent in the summer, um, but he will fight Alexander Usyk, I'm told, for $90 million, with Usyk getting 50 to $60 million for the undisputed title in December in Saudi Arabia. Alexander Usyk is obviously defending his WBA title 
against uh, against uh, Daniel Dubois in Poland this summer, mandatory. Um, they will not want to, I think, Joshua's team upset the apple cart again from this progress. He won't want to just cash out against Tyson Fury because there's nothing left for him afterwards. If he does well against Dillian White, if he produces some kind of performance against Deontay Wilder, it's a very tough fight for him. The Fury fight will always be there next year. It doesn't make sense to do it now. I think what's happened is the perfect opponent for Tyson Fury this summer would have been Gili Zhang, but Joe Joyce has taken the rematch, so he'll fight him. The problem is they can't find the right opponent for Tyson Fury because he had the fight with Dillian White last year and the gimme against Derek Chisora, and they can't do another gimme. And that's the problem they're in, Nick. That's how I see this scenario. And to add to that, we're hearing Wilder and Joshua will earn around 50 million US dollars each for the Saudi Arabia fight. Um, I've got this on good authority. Usyk wants to win in the summer. Fury wants to win in the summer and make that fight happen. But so does Joshua. For me, they're only doing this because they want to fight for Fury that's that the fans can buy into because his stock has dropped with the fans. Yeah, and rightfully so, you know, because... Listen, you've known Tyson an awful long time. I've known Tyson an awful long time, been around him a long time. Um, <clears throat> and, I, you know, I would argue with anybody that he remains the best heavyweight on the planet. But his resume doesn't say best heavyweight on the planet. His resume is far from that. You know, he's he's not fought many of the guys that you'd rank in the top 15 in his entire career. Yes, he's had the incredible trilogy with 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 uh, Deontay Wilder, of course, but you know, other than that, Vladimir Klitschko is probably the standout on his entire record. AJ's fought a lot more guys in the top ten, top fifteen than Tyson Fury. I think when you start bringing in guys ranked number fifty in the world, you know, cruiserweights from the weight division below, you're talking about, oh, this guy's got a similar style for Usyk. He's perfect for me. What are we doing here? This is yeah. this is supposed to be the heavyweight champion of the world. You've just, as you've just said, Gareth, he's just had a gimme at the back end of last year. He hasn't fought, he hasn't defended his belt against a mandatory contender, anyone top ranked with the WBC in, in over a year now. It was April last year when he fought Dillian White, and that was a mismatch. We were there, you know, Dillian was never going to beat Tyson Fury that night because there's levels to this game. Now, listen, Tyson can only beat the best contenders, but when you're talking about guys who aren't even ranked by the governing body you hold the belt for, you feel, we as fight fans and fight media feel like you're conning the public. Okay, you can't make the Usyk fight because there's more money down the road. I get that. I wish they'd have just said that rather than all the pomp and ceremony, which they just said, listen, we're going to do it. We're going to do it for undisputed. But right now, it makes no economic sense. End of the year, when the Saudi Arabians come back in with the location fee, that's when we're going to do it. I think most fans are going, okay, I'm not going to argue with that. What are you going to do in the meantime? Usyk's doing the right thing. Right, I'll get him a mandatory out of the way. Where's Tyson Fury's mandatory? And if you're not going to do your mandatory, let's have a look at the top 10. You know, take a risk. Go in there with somebody that's on the way up, that's hungry. Actually, Zhang, for me, would have been the perfect opponent. Yeah. Is, Andy, is Andy Ruiz still a competitive heavyweight? Is he not in the conversation? Or are they just going to try and find a soft touch this summer? I think the news about the Australian, the Jaya Pattaya, the cruiserweight, I think all that was feeling out the water to see what the fans' response was. And I think unanimously, every fan, even the most ardent Tyson Fury fan said, absolutely no way am I accepting you fight. Defend your belt against the guy ranked number 53 in the world. Absolutely. Well, look, Frank Sanchez is four. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be Andy Ruiz, but I'd take Andy Ruiz. Um, I don't know what's going on with him at the moment. Like you say, we don't know if he's fit and ready to do it. Um, clearly that's not working. They said he's asked too much money. I think he wanted 19 million for it. They they put out publicly. Frank Sanchez at four. Arslanbek Mukhmadov, again, big, strong opponent. Martin Bacoli, mm-hmm. a, a ranked seven. Um, yeah. Jared Anderson, um, why not? That's his, that's his boy, isn't it? So I, I don't think you'll yeah. go down that road. But uh, yeah, listen, even, even, even a... Um, a Gasayev or a Philip Hergovic. You know, at least these are guys that are hungry, that have got undefeated records, that are climbing the charts. You know, when you're talking about a guy that you're hand-picking from Australia, it just kind of makes no sense. But you're right. I think it's it's come back to bite him, Gareth. Be thinking yeah. there's, there's been a lot of talk 
about AJ and then it came to nothing. And a lot of talk about Usyk and it came to nothing. And now he's talking about AJ again. These fights aren't realistic. If they're not going to happen, stop talking about it happening because there's a common denominator when these fights don't happen. And the common denominator is Tyson Fury. So he's just highlighting the fact that, listen, we know AJ is basically lined up to fight Dillian White. So why are you talking about, why is Tyson coming out publicly and saying, we've sent an offer to Anthony Joshua? We know he's got something lined up. It's crazy. It is crazy. But, you know, all we want to, um, all we want to see is this progression. Best against the the best. Exactly. Best against the best. Exactly. And, and of course, um, Usyk's team uh, won that purse bid last week um, for the fight with Daniel Dubois. It's going to be in Poland. Uh, 12.8 million outbidding the 5 million put up by Queensbury. I can't imagine Queensbury ever wanted to win that anyway because they were going to have to pay out 75% to Usyk anyway. But like you say, you have to admire the fact that he wants to go ahead um, and fight his and, and win his belt uh, retain his belt rather, retain his mandatory. Um, but it's not satisfactory. Um, again, Wilder's waiting a long time for his um, Joshua fight. They're all cashing out. They're all getting close to cashing out. And like you say, the one that stands out at the moment is Usyk because he's prepared to fight his mandatories. Everyone else yeah. is looking for those last few fights. And as we say, if things go a certain way, even if Fury and Joshua lost, that fight is still there, isn't it, yeah. next year for those two to meet. Um, but it's we have really been held up by the heavyweight division for the last few months, and it's been very frustrating. Great stuff, Nick. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, finally, one of the biggest fights in boxing has been set for this summer. Errol Spence Jr. versus Terence Crawford. Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford set for July the 29th for the undisputed titles. Um, Finally, we get it. Are they meeting too late in their careers or or are we still, are they still just about there at the peak of their powers? Yes, I think they're still about there. I think the fight absolutely makes sense. You know what, I hate rematch clauses, but the fact that they both get a rematch clause to activate should they be the loser makes sense as well because um, bizarrely, and I think the the catalyst for this that finally got it done I think was Ryan Garcia versus Javonta Davis a few few months ago, and that did over a million pay-per-view buys. And I think that has really caught the attention of Terence Crawford and Earl Spence because they've realised that, you know, boxing's been struggling to break that magic number in America since Triple G versus Canelo Part 2. And no one's been able to get anywhere near it while the UFC has been, you know, has been hitting those numbers uh, frequently. And I think that fight has said, to, you know, highlighted to them, listen, if you come together, if we market this right, you guys are the best welterweights on the planet. You're both inside the pound-for-pound top 10. When you bring you guys together for a real fight, we can make some serious money. However, I don't think they'll make the kind of money they want on July 29th. I think they'll make the real money in the rematch at the end of the year. It has to be a two-fight deal. It might even be a three-fight in the end, Gareth, because they're so good and they're so well-matched up. One of the things that I would say, um, the big disappointing thing for Terence Crawford is when you look at his fights... Nick, since I think 2018, Jeff Horn, Jose Benavides, Amir Khan, Cavaliuskas, Kelbrook, Sean Porter, David Avenesian. It's aging fighters. It's not the very elite. Um, and he should have been in a different, even though I favour him to beat Errol Spence, I'm going to go hard. I was wrong on three counts on Saturday night, by the way. I went wrong on th- in the three headline fights and that does happen um yeah this is another pickem but i just think terence crawford's got so many special qualities even though he's up against an amazing um southport in errol spence both undefeated of course um so much jeopardy on the line for both men 39 and 0 against 28 and 0 a lot of people will favor errol spence in this fight um but it's an amazing contest. Sadly, again, I think Spence has got the better resume. We're talking about resumes of Tyson Fury earlier and Anthony <clears> Joshua. <throat> I think 
think Spencer's yeah. got the better resume, but Crawford seems to be able to do a number on anyone. I'm going to favour Crawford to pick open the lock. Um, but these guys should be on their trilogy fight by now, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. They're, they're, they're head and short. I know there's a, a real strong generation of welterweights coming below them. Uh, real talent there as well. Boots Ennis and Ortiz Jr. especially. But these guys should be on. We should already be talking about the trilogy. They should already be crossover mainstream stars. Because this matchup defines their legacy. In a lot of ways, that Frazier and Ali define their legacy. That, you know, some Morales and Barrera and Marquez and Pacquiao and all these matchups in history where, where, where two fighters of the same era come together and define it. This was it. This was mm. their guy. Mm. This is how they become superstars, win, lose, or draw. And you're right, they should be up to a trilogy by now. And I predict this will be the first fight in a trilogy because I do believe it will be that close. I think resume-wise, you're right. I think Terence Crawford struggled to get the big names up at welterweight, but that's because Errol Spence and the PBC have basically owned every other belt in the welterweight division and have kept them as far away from Terence Crawford as possible. Yeah. It's a division that's suffered by politics. When you look at Errol Spence's resume, yes, it has got bigger marquee names, but Mikey Garcia, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, or Dennis Ugas, all PBC fighters, they've basically kept those belts in-house and had them pick off other members of the in-house stable rather than give us the fight that we really want in this weight division. He's had one fight in three years, Errol Spence. And, you know, part of that was down to the fact that he was, you know, he crashed his mo his car in the middle of the night when he and got done for a DUI. And then he crashed his car again. You know, there's all kinds going on in the life of Errol Spence. We didn't even think he'd be back in a boxing ring at one point. All Terence Crawford's done is continue to tick by and beat the next guy put in front of him. I think Terence Crawford's a more talented fighter. Terence Crawford, though, also, Gareth, I, I don't know about your experiences. I've been around a couple of Terence Crawford's fights in Las Vegas, in New York. He's quite truculent with the media, right. and yet he doesn't want to speak to the media. And then next thing you know, he's asking why he isn't getting the tens and $20 million paydays. Well, the, the two kind of go together. You've got to sell your persona. You've got to interact with media. You've got to interact with fans to, for people to buy in on you. And it's such a shame because his backstory is incredible. You know, he's this guy from Omaha, Nebraska, which is, you know, the back end of nowhere in terms of boxing. And yet he's got, you know, he had no real amateur credentials. And yet here he is, undisputed, multi-weight world champion, 39 fights, tons of knockouts, you know, many people's pound for pound number one fighter. And no one truly knows who Terence Crawford is. It's completely bizarre. But I think this is the fight that we as an industry celebrate on July 29th. We say to everyone, come and see this. This is as good as boxing gets. I think it delivers either way. And I think the rematch at the end of the year, that's when the big money pours in because I think we'll have caught the attention of the mainstream to go, okay, the first fight, you said it was going to be good. It was amazing. We're all in on the second fight. And that's when they get paid. Yeah, well, I think you hit your, the, the nail on the head there. And I've, I've, I've tried it on with him many times. Yeah. Trying to get Terence Crawford out of his shell to explain the night he was playing craps and his car was shot at, um, tell his story, um, you know, even mentioning to him, do you want to be a big star? And he tells you, I am already a big star. Yes, he is, but not in crossover terms. This nope. could be the event that creates that crossover for them, for him and Errol Spence. The names need to be indelibly linked. Um, yeah. It is a weird thing. What makes him great is what makes him weak in that sense because I think Terence Crawford's a very stubborn guy. What's What works with his boxing, um, he's a phenomenal... I, I think he's very close to being the number one pound for pound. Yeah. I think, is, honestly, I think te technically when you look at the, the guys at the top of the pound for pound list, you're looking at the Inoue's and, the, and the Alexander Usyk's and the Terence Crawford's and the Canelo's and people like that. When you look technically, he's as good as anybody yeah. else. Yeah, It's the resume he suffers from. Yeah. Even though he's a multi-weight world champion, yeah. has he done it on the road like Alexander Usyk has in multiple weight divisions? No, he hasn't. Mm. Has he taken on the biggest fights possible? No, he hasn't. Has he captured the imagination of fight fans on a global scale? No, he hasn't. And that's what he's suffering from at the moment. And you know, and, and got I think this could be the fight that gets him there. No, it is. But I do think you could be Billy Walker, the, the, the British heavyweight from the 60s, Never won a title, but sold out Wembley uh, Wembley Arena nine times. Made a yeah. ton of money. Brill cream boy, 
really popular, X Factor, got knocked down a lot, but got up and fought other people, was a real character. I'm, I'm mentioning because he was charismatic, never won a title, but made a ton of money and put bums on seats. The yeah. problem is Terence has not allowed us to see his personality. And there is one there. That's the sad thing. And like you say, there is a truculence with him. He's one of the few people that, that I personally, over all the time working in boxing, you know, you try your charisma on people. You you you, you work them really hard. Yeah. Can't can't seem to crack him to get him to show that personality. It's definitely there. Hopefully, this is the fight that it happens. Um, yeah, Ditto. I, I remember cornering him in New York when he fought yeah. Amir Khan. Yeah. And he refused to do any media outside of just the pure press conferences yeah. and we we managed to you know as you do Gareth we managed to kind of corner him in his hotel in New York and we kind of caught him in a little ballroom and instead of going straight in you know I, I tried to speak to him about his son who's a high level college wrestler and he loves UFC and this MMA background and Terence Crawford was is a very yeah. you know competent college level wrestler and I had to kind of go in on that angle just to kind of soften him up a little bit to then get a bit more juice out of him but it's just stoic. He's it's just a wall not of, interested. It's a wall of stone, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. really strange. And, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, fight sports, is, it's an entertainment business. Like any professional sport, it's an entertainment business. But when you're in America, you know, you're competing against the NBA. You're competing against the NHL. You're competing against, you know, American football, the NFL. You compete with all these other sports, which automatically get a lot of airtime. Boxers, a lot of boxers sitting at this level are aware of the fact that I have to give a bit to get a bit. I've got to give to the media to sell, to get airtime, to get on Sports Center, to do this. And he just doesn't do any of that whatsoever. And I think it's harmed him. And that's the reason why he isn't the, the multi million dollar fighter that he probably should be. He's right. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, and performances, he should be the guy that's getting 30, 40 million a fight. But he doesn't because nobody knows who he is. Absolutely. Let's hope he makes it his fight <clears throat> with with Errol Spence, or Errol Spence makes it his fight, yeah, and not they're, they're, they're not left as ghosts in this crowded sports landscape in America. Um, finally, today, Nick, elsewhere, Katie Taylor has broken her silence. Obviously, defeated by Chantel Cameron um, for the undisputed lightweight title that Cameron was defending um, against her in Dublin. Uh, was that a week ago? Yeah, it was a week ago, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Uh, just yeah. over a week ago. Um, Katie Taylor saying, I don't even know what retirement means. I definitely don't feel like it's time for me to retire. She told RTE, the only fight that matters to me now, the rematch is the rematch with Chantel Cameron. We're looking at a November date. Wise or foolish? Um, <clears throat> wise because she's Katie Taylor. And the reason why she's an icon, the reason why she's, you know, arguably Ireland's greatest sports person, certainly modern day, is because of this, because she takes on the toughest challenges, because she's her, her resume of work. And, you know, she could have handpicked any opponents for her first fight back in Ireland. She tried to pick Serrano, one of the toughest fights of her career, to rematch the fight of the year from last year. Serrano was unavailable. So she said, right, I'll move up a weight division. I'll try and become undisputed in the second weight class against a very dangerous, very competent a girl that brought all the belts together the hard way, an undefeated champion that I know will bring it. And that's testament to Katie Taylor and their team to go, why not? It's not about how, you know, we, let's look back to Tyson Fury and some of the decisions he's made in his career and the opponents he's handpicked. That's not who Katie Taylor is. So I thoroughly expected her to say, right, let's do it again. But I think the difference here is if I was... What I seen was a, 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 a more than competent performance from Chantel Cameron. The game plan was spot on. She was fully focused. The occasion never got to her. And she knew she was bigger, stronger, and faster than Katie Taylor. And she exploited that. I think for a rematch, something has to change. Now, if, if I see Chantel Cameron saying, okay, we'll do it again. But why is it for all my belts? Why don't I get the chance to win all of your belts? Yeah. And that makes it really interesting to me if the fight was at lightweight. Now let's take it to Katie's world. Yeah. Let's get Chantel is adamant that she can get down to lightweight. Let's do the rematch at lightweight for Katie's belt where Katie will be stronger. And let's see what happens then. That's what I would be really bought into because the first fight, I'll be honest, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a lucky decision. Chantel Cameron won and she won well. As you would say, she bossed it, and she definitely she did. did. Yeah, it was an amazing performance. Top stuff from you today, Nick. Brilliant. Thank you so much.
Um, you've been listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. We're back next week. Join us then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.